Welcome, everyone, to the Asian Voices Radio Podcast, where you'll find real Asian-American conversations about all things, including the topics you were too afraid to ask your Asian parents. I'm your host, Hula Ramos, and joining me today is Rasha Goel. She's an Emmy-nominated television host producer, red carpet reporter, and international correspondent. She's worked for outlets such as CNN, IBN, ESPN, Reels Channel, TV Guide Channel, and so much more. I'm so excited to have her on the show today. Please welcome Rasha Goel. How are you doing, Rasha? Hula, thank you. I'm wonderful. And thank you for that beautiful introduction. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Of course. No, absolutely. I'm excited to talk to you, but let's get the formalities out of the way. Tell me about you. Tell you about me. All right. Well, I am in Los Angeles and I am a broadcast journalist and producer, like you said. And, you know, like many other Asian Americans, I was brought up in a household where there were expectations of me becoming a pharmacist or a doctor. I'm sure you could possibly relate, right, Hula? Oh, yes. Very stereotypical for sure. Yeah. So, you know, and I think from a very young age, I just knew that I was going to be a storyteller. You know, I, I recall this project I had when I was seven to eight years old. I had to do it on Martin Luther King Jr. I made my mother create a simulated television television newscast. And to the point that I sat on an anchor desk and I actually had to create a little screen behind me, you know, <gasps> like they like they do in, in the real news in the real news world at that time. So I just, I just knew at that time that I want to tell stories. This is what lights me up. And um, I went on to UCLA and majored in communication studies, mass major. But even at that time, I always loved, you know, uh, speech clubs, being on stage, being a speaker, dancing, mm -hmm. the arts, just being in front of people. I think that was always a huge part of me. And I think my parents were hoping that at some point that would go away, but I actually was a bio major before the communication studies. And I tell you, one day I was sitting in zoology class, book open, looking at animals and <laughs> their body parts. And I just closed that book. And I said, no more, I can't do this. And I went to the counselor's <gasps> office and I said, we have to change majors. I am, I cannot do this. I'm not meant to do this. It's like my heart just knew. You had to listen to your heart. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I tell that to everybody now too, just you, we are all here for a purpose. We all have our voice and allow that to guide you and trust, trust your intuition, trust your heart. You know, I'm a Reiki healer too. So that kind of plays in, but that's a Reiki healer came much later in life. But I think that as an Asian child, as a South Asian kid, when you're growing up, you know, within our families, we are so accustomed to wanting to make our parents proud of us, right? Yes, yes, yes. I, I think there's a lot of cultural pressure there that you want to make your parents proud and, and, and you want them to love you for what you're doing. So I think within me, I felt, oh my gosh, have I disappointed them? I knew mm. that I was good at this. This was my, my heart belonged. That's where I shine. But deep inside, there was that heartbreak of knowing that I'm disappointing them because number one, they don't understand what I'm doing They're, right. you know, They were like, there's not people like you. This is at, and at that time for them, it was like, this is a white world. Like there's not people like right. you on the big screen. It, you're going for something that we don't even know is a guarantee. You're taking too many risks. We don't know anybody in the industry. So mm -hmm. I think that was their fear at that time, but they, you know, 
Hula, I'm not one to listen. <laughs> you know, I just kept going. I, I call myself the black sheep of the South Asian community. And we'll talk about that as we get into this conversation further. But I just stuck with what my heart told me to do, what intuitively I was guided to do. Oh my gosh, Rasha. I feel like you're a sister from another mister because I was the same way. I was going, I was actually um, at Cal State Long Beach and I was going pre-med and I was sitting in an anatomy physiology class as I was about to dissect a cadaver. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, this is not happening for me. And I walked out of the classroom and I took my car and I drove and I did like this big boy trip around the United States, just trying to figure out who I was and came back and go, you know what? I want to do radio. I kind of want to be in that world. And so wow. I know what you, I know exactly what you went through and, and my parents were the same way. Luckily for me, they were very um, understanding, but I am the black sheep of the Filipino community. So I get it. Oh, see, see, we've got that soul connection, Hola. We've got that soul connection going. <laughs> Absolutely. So then, okay. So you're in college now you've changed your major. So then what goes on with Russia? How do you get to where you are now? So I did the program, of course. And, you know, I, like I said, I've always had a very go-getter mentality. So Mm -hmm. during school, I started taking internships. Like I think it was either junior or senior year. I got into KTLA, started interning in their newsroom and started learning the ropes there. Yes. And so the normal pathway usually is for someone to put tape together and move into a smaller state, basically Mm -hmm. a smaller market as we, I shouldn't say state, a smaller market. And that's where you build your career from. But what was interesting was I somehow fell into the international market. It just, and it happened by chance at the, at that time, one of the biggest South Asian networks had opened and launched in the United States. They were called ZTV network. It's still a very um, reputed network and one of the largest ones. And I thought in my mind, why don't I become their Hollywood gal and entertainment. I'd always loved entertainment from the get-go. And so I somehow found a way to reach out to them. And I said, let me do your work here. Now, again, it was a risk for them. So I actually gave them one or two stories on volunteer basis. And I tried Mm -hmm. to find stuff that I could create to get them to trust me. Once we built that trust, I then started covering Hollywood stories and even big Bollywood opportunities here in the United States. So every time Bollywood celebrities would come to the U.S., I was their go-to gal to go do live reports from there or just do a piece on, you know, so-and-so's in Los Angeles or New York or whatnot. So from there, things then built for me because I started to have pieces of work that I could put together to showcase who I was. And as that started building, I started building my reel and then shopping it around here in Los Angeles. It's really interesting, Hula, because even though I knew I could have moved to a smaller market, for some right. reason, I didn't pursue that route. I went the more difficult way and I said, <laughs> I'm going to stay in Los Angeles. You know? I mean, it's it's prime time. You're, you've already, you know, number one, number two market, you know, compared to New York. Yes. You're in, you're big time. And so then let me ask you. But at that age though, Hula, at that age, you're, I'm not right. So any person would have been like, what are you doing? You need to move out of here. Like you clearly don't have enough experience. I had to build myself up. Well, here's my thing though. Like uh, we never ask a woman her age. So I will not ask you your age. Thank you. At the time that you were doing all of this, how, you know, do you think you got the nose right away because you were inexperienced or maybe because you were a woman or because you were Asian? Like, what do you think, you know, started this whole process? You know, I'm going to contribute 
to all three Hula? That's a great question. Um, Through the journey, I especially feel a lot of times with being Asian, I think they didn't know how to place me, right? Because Mm. you're looking at these evening newscasts and you're not seeing Asian women. I mean, very little. Like you had, we had, we were grateful to have Connie Chung, but you had like this one representation. There weren't South Asians. No, not at all. Hardly covering, right? In journalism. So I think they kind of didn't know what to do with me at the time. And so even, I remember I even had an interview at E!, which I was so fortunate to have. Like at that time I was so excited because I wanted to work at E and they told me that, well, listen, we have a production opportunity, uh, but just to let you know with that job, you're never going to make it on camera. And I turned it down. I said, no, I belong on camera. I know where I belong. And I turned it down and I just kept plugging away and putting my stuff out there. And you know, what's funny is I don't even know how this happened. I call it universal magic. There was a point where somehow my work was recognized by the Fox Fox Studio, Sony Pictures, Warner Brothers, and Disney back in India. So then they reached out to me to cover all the press junkets in the United States for them. Good for you. Yes, and I don't even know how they, and it was just magic that happened. But, you know, I was always committed, Hula. I was always committed and dedicated to my work to make sure I put 110% into what I was doing. Good for you. No, and it definitely shows, you know, where somebody tries to pigeonhole you. Oh, you're not going to make it on camera. And you were like, oh, screw you. I'm totally going to make on camera Exactly, exactly. And I think for them too, they didn't know Again, they're looking at me probably and they're just like, we don't know how to cast her. And I wish that we would get beyond looking at who's Filipino, who's Korean, who's Chinese, who's Indian. Like we're just talent. We're all different talent who bring different expertise and experiences with us. Right. Right. No. Well, but being in the field you're in right now, do you think now with everything going on with you know, Asians being noticed more with diversity being a big thing. Do you feel that it's starting to get better now or is it still tough? That's a great question. I think it's starting, but let's say slowly starting, because if I were to even look at some of the stats right out there Mm -hmm. of what's happening, for example, when we look at Asian Americans in general, Asian Americans represent 7% of the U.S. population. That's about 22 million people. This was in a research that was done by Nielsen. Okay. And, and, and it was also found that we are the fastest growing segment. Yet, when you look at the new sector, especially in the broadcasting sector, right? You right. still see very, I think it's almost still less than 3% that are represented. And I'm, when I say Asian Americans, I'm including South Asians and Pacific Islanders. There's less than 3% that are in the broadcast media workforce. That's pretty small. And then I'm gonna take this even deeper. According to research, they've also found that when you look at television programming, programming mm-hmm. in general, it's only 2%. And you see a little bit better when we look on the subscription videos, like on demand stuff with Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, but that's still barely hitting 3%. So look at the numbers I'm giving you. And when you look at that against how big the community is, the population is, and that we're the fastest growing and spending wise, Asian Americans spend, the spending power is over $1 trillion annually. Wow. So I mean, if we look at those numbers and then you look at Hollywood, 
No, it's not matching. No, it's not matching at all. And you know what's interesting is when you look at something like Crazy Rich Asians. Right. I had done some research on this prior, and I found that Warner Brothers Pictures invested thirty million dollars to produce Crazy Rich Asians. Right. So they and they thought, okay, hopefully we'll do well. At least we'll make this money up, right, with the U.S. and global. That film grossed more than $170 million domestically. Wow. So that shows you that there is a need and there is a market for this, that there are Asian American consumers and we want to see content. And, you know, there's um, a, a gentleman named, he's a producer actually, Sanjay Sharma, and he's the founder and CEO of Marginal Media Works. And there was, was in another Nielsen report that I had read, but he brought up a great point. And he said, when they go in to pitch an Asian show, they're mm-hmm. often told, executives will tell them, well, we already have an Asian sitcom in development. So it's almost like, well, that just solved the diversity problem. And okay, so we have one. Uh... So it's going to be kind of crazy to have maybe two or three. And so I think there, there's a problem there. There's a problem there. Yeah, it's almost used as an excuse, just like how you said with, you know, the jobs that are there. It's, you know, oh, we have a couple already where our quota is filled. Our quota is filled, yes, but you're not looking at the grander picture. And then if you even dig deeper than that, even with, okay, let's let's talk about Asian women in Hollywood, right? right. They're, they're seen in stereotypical roles. I'm, I'm talking film now, and I'll jump right. back into the journalism part, but- there, it, I don't feel that we see them enough in normalized roles or non-stereotypical representations. We're not see, we're not seen in a humane way or for our complexities that we deal with in regular life. There, it still goes back to the stereotypical roles, and I think that's where we have to push the envelope a little bit more. I agree with you. I, you know, I recently got onto Netflix and there's this brilliant show and I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's called Kim's Convenience Store. Yes. I love it. Oh, a Korean family. Yes. I love, I love that show. And, you know, with, with now films, like we just recently had Ryan, the last dragon featuring Aquafina. Um, you, you know, mentioned yes. crazy rich Asians. Like you're right. It's it, as great as all that is happening right now. You are just scratching the surface. Yes, that's how we're doing. But Hula here, let me ask you this. <laughs> I know you're interviewing me, but let, no, let yeah, go for it. It's a conversation. It's a right. conversation. But so here's the thing. I love Kim's convenience store. Right? Like I, I love that we were able to showcase an entire Korean family, right? And and what right. they go through. But I would like to see more normalizing. Like, why do we then have to just get specific with the Asian shows? Right. right? I know what you're like, saying. Why yes. can't we? have a show of where how hula grew up or how I did like I have been so fortunate to grow up as a South Asian American you know bringing in what my culture offers but at the same time I'm American I did you know I went to clubs I you know I I was part of different scenes I grew up here in America so I, I don't want to be typecast on a typical Indian show like as an Indian I'm tired of seeing just stuff around arranged marriages all the time Oh, yes, you're right. right? You're, st- you're being stereotyped. It's it's all stereotyped. So as much as I loved Crazy Rich Asians too, and I think it's right? amazing, but I'd like to see more like, let's create content that we can actually integrate different people together. Like growing up, I didn't have only Indian friends. I actually had a right. very diverse group of friends growing up. Right. No, I mean, just like um, The Office, you know, you had Mindy Kaling there. And yes, there was, you know, a portion of her life. They showed Diwali and, you know, they they showed all of that. But 
at the same time, Kaylee or uh, Mindy Kaling's character was this crazy uh, woman who, uh, you know, did funny things. Like it was, she was more than just her background. Yes. Yes. And I think that's what was wonderful. And so I love these shows because I feel like too, when you have an attachment to your culture or to things that you've experienced, it's fun to see those, even like the fun nuances, right? Because we can relate to them because we grew up with that. But I still would love to see more content where Asian actors are normalized and we're, we go beyond some of those stereotypical roles or categories that we're seen in. Well, speaking of that, are you currently um, doing any projects or films or TV shows that that is, you know, happening for you? You know, I have a couple of different things going on, actually. So I I work with a network called TV Asia and on there I do. That's more for the South Asian diaspora, though. So I like to highlight South Asian artists and give them a voice and even cover uh, whether they're independent or working professionals in Hollywood. So that's, you know, one of the things I do. I am a freelancer hula, so I've been fortunate to get some opportunities. For example, I just was a part of Superstore's uh, series <gasps> finale. Yes, so no! much fun. I uh-huh. love that show. You oh, were on too. it? Yes, episode 14. You can go watch it. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back because that's one of my favorite shows and I was mad that it ended. I know, me too. That's such a beautiful run. But see, like in there, I just got to play a reporter. So it wasn't categorized as to what my ethnicity was or anything. I just played a reporter. So there's different, you know, acting gigs I've been going on. I just did the Golden Globes pre-show for Dick Clark Productions. Uh, That was a lot of fun interviewing a lot of the nominees. And I'm doing right now an Oscars related podcast. We're talking uh, to shorts to the people in the shorts category. So all the short filmmakers in animation, live action and documentary. Oh my gosh. I, I'm so excited for you. I really uh, am excited to see what you do next. Cause I feel like you're definitely a, a great representation of Asian Americans and, and, and just getting us out there and getting us, ah, oh gosh, you're, you've got me excited. Like oh, I, well, I really well, want you to be big. <laughs> thank you. Well, I've got a project in the works that I can't talk about right now, but I will tell you this. I call that show a show that unifies humanity. And I'm working on that right now. And that would be my big venture to really get out on mainstream. So let me ask you this, as we're about to be wrapping up pretty soon, what do you feel needs to happen so we can increase the visibility of more Asians in TV, film, broadcasting, all that stuff? Um, I think a few things need to happen. I know some of them we've heard, but I think the dialogues that some of the networks and studios are having are very important and that they need to incorporate people from the Asian American community. It is very pivotal to have people from this community because it is our voices that need to be. You can't bring a consultant on just because or who has never even lived the culture. Right. But I think more important, too, is really the what I call the gatekeepers. See, what happens is the people at the the gatekeepers, they're they're the executives who greenlight things. So if Mm -hmm. those are not people who are used to our cultures or familiar with them, they're not greenlighting these things. We need to have more Asian Americans in those positions. Because they, yes, because they're the ones who are going to help open those doors. And they're the ones who can help even share a vision with the other people. And the other thing, I think just 
community conversations like what you're doing or even um, I know the Asian American Journalist Association has been so pivotal, and especially, unfortunately, with all the racism that's been happening against the community. Right. And um, mm-hmm. things that we've been dealing with. Just I think speaking up, you know, we're a very intelligent, smart community, but we're also very soft spoken. You yep. know, we're very respectful. We're very humble. Yep. And I think now is the time to come together and really come together. It doesn't matter in what sector of the Asian American community you're in. But I think we need to really all come together to make those voices heard. And we need to reach out to the media to let them know, because if we don't say anything, nobody's going to care. And this is just going to go over once again. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it, this is not a trend. This is not I- a trend. Absolutely. Now, how can people follow your life? Are you on social media or how can we keep in touch with you? Social media. What's that? I'm just, <laughs> uh, you can keep in, and I, and I love interacting and engaging with people. You know, I'm a storyteller, so I'd love to hear from you guys. You can follow me on at Rasha Goel everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, I have my YouTube channel, but Rasha Goel all over the platform. It's oh, R-A- I forgot to mention to you, Hula. Oh, oh yeah. R-A- Go ahead. R-A-S-H-A-G-O-E-L. No, I wanted to share with you because I know you love having open conversations. Um, yes. I actually launched Raw with Rasha last year and did a series. Uh, I did a whole season and it was about having uncomfortable conversations with people and talking about <gasps> things that we don't like talking about. And that's on my YouTube channel, Raw with Rasha. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, because of, I, I didn't even feel like we have been talking for all this time. I feel like I, I just have scratched the surface with you. We need to have you come on back, not only to talk about Raw with Rasha, but we need to talk about your new, when you're able to release your new venture, I'll say, and we want you to come back to talk about it more. Can we just have you back? I love your energy. Oh, you can have me back anytime. I love your energy. Like, I feel that synergy. So anytime. Oh my gosh. I, you've got me pumped. I, I mean, just after our conversation today, I hope it inspires a lot of um, other, you know, people in general, but also mostly Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders um, to, you know, step out in the spotlight. It's about time. You, you know, Rasha shared the statistics. We need to get more in, you know, uh, our community out there. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Thank Rasha, you so for much paving for the way. Oh, I my appreciate pleasure. you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So to learn more about today's show, please visit AsianVoicesRadio.com. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, we'd love to hear from you. You can also subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And until next week, I'm Hula Ramos. On behalf of my guest, Rasha Goel, we'd like to thank you for listening. And please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Voices Radio show. Take care, and we'll see you next time.